Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. Had a little technical difficulty here. Hold on a second. <laughs> Welcome to the second half of Saturday morning with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I've had a wonderful guest earlier, Brittany K. Barnett. She's a lawyer. A Knock at Midnight is her book. I'm going to be giving away some copies. So you want to follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Uh, also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And you can check out the shows on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. This show is an interesting show. I'm not sure how many of you know how to swim. Do you remember the first time you went to a pool? Uh, for black women, you know, going to the pool, getting in the water, we think about our hair and what's going to happen to our hair. Do we just sit outside on the pool in our cute bathing suits and suntan, sunbathed? So there's a great new project called Pool, A Social History of Segregation, and it aims to encourage a meaningful dialogue on social justice and the history of segregated swimming in America. Black and white people could not swim together. People may not know that, or you may have, but many people may not. It's something simple, like, oh, a swimming pool? Why can't we go there? So I have some wonderful guests this morning that are going to be talking about this exhibit. Uh, Dr. Angela K. Beal Taufik, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, is an associate professor and program coordinator of the Healthy and Physical Education teacher education program at Rowan University. Also on the call will be Brandon Johnson, a Philadelphia native and resident, and she's the head coach and owner of VLJ Community Rowing. Rowing is another wonderful water sport. I remember rowing when I was a kid. I loved it. And I have a rowing machine, but that's not the same, of course, as being on open water. How many black people you know that go rowing? So let's see. They're on the line. Um, good morning. Good morning. Dr. Good morning. Good, good morning. This, good morning. This is Angel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. And then Brandon Johnson. Good morning. I'm here. Okay. Great. Great. <laughs> so this is a, a really interesting exhibit, and I would not have even thought to do it. How did you get involved, um, Dr. Biotalfik, in this project? Well, the opportunity to be involved in the project, for me, actually has a history directly connected to Philadelphia in the sense that I um, am born and raised in North Philadelphia. One of my favorite phrases is, you know, born and raised in North Philadelphia in the swimming pool is where I spent most of my days growing up Uh in night camp. Mm -hmm. And that started, um, I I was a competitive swimmer on uh, the Philadelphia Department of Recreation PBR, Swimming uh, program, Jamelis, and basically uh, that entrance in my life um, was something that actually uh, created a pathway to college, to to school, and it became a part of my professional um, goals in terms of research to stop and combat drowning uh, in uh, African-American and and minority Hispanic Latino uh, youth. So I'm a part of an organization, the only um, predominantly uh, African-American organization called Diversity in Aquatics. Uh, And I'm also a member of the American Red Cross Scientific Advisory Council, the Aquatic Council. And so um, as it was the, the goal 
of the, the of, of Victoria uh, Habitat in that community to really capture all of the voices to truly be able to create um, a, a, a actual exhibit that will really be the voices of those who are directly impacted, voices that have been historically excluded in in the world of aquatics as well as especially when we're talking about swimming. As we look at the new, most of the time people don't think about the, the greatness unless you see it in the Olympics, but the history of, of swimming and the value and connection to the water in the African-American community uh, has a historic um, element, and it has, it has actually expanded, you know, the, in time. And so I've had the opportunity yeah. so, you to know, come it's, in it's, and it's, contact. It's, let, me, mm-hmm. let me just tell the audience that based on the CDC and the documents you gave me, black children and teenagers are almost six times as likely as white children to drown in a swimming pool. And now we have uh, Brandon Johnson. You have a rowing company. How did that start? How did you, as a black woman, say, I'm going to start a rowing uh, organization? Well, um, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Are you, like, outside? It sounds like someone's outside in the car. Yeah. So, um, basically, I started... So, I started uh, rowing in high school right before high school so hello can you guys hear me yes we're we're listening (laughs) oh okay (laughs) okay so i started rowing um in high before high school my parents made me uh try out for if there was an inner city learner row sort of camp and Mm -hmm. um i have excellent parents they made they made us they made me take the course and basically, we we played basketball more than we rode, honestly. But I mean, I had a little, I had a knack for it. And someone, one of the coaches, reached out to my dad and was like, she should, she should continue. And you know, with Title Nine, a lot of women, a lot of colleges picked up women's rowing. So I got a full scholarship to University of Texas, and then trained for the national team. And I got to see the world and travel the world. And you know, when I came back home, I didn't see anyone that looked like me rowing. And that means that's on the international stage as well as, you know, just in Philly. Like, it's just an elite sport, which is ironic because it started in Egypt. It's the first time we actually see rowing happen competitively. So the fact that it's now mm. this, like, elite, very, very white sport, I knew I could sort of be a bridge and start to fix that. So um, I started teaching just free learning row clinics. Just, you know, try, come try it. You know, I think, you know, I think we think that black people – have this fear of water, and we do, but we also have people that very much enjoy that great outdoors. And I think I saw, I've seen a huge surge with COVID and people having almost forced to get outside and, you know, get adventurous. And, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's great. You know, my staff is black and I'm black, and I think that people are a little bit more comfortable coming up and saying, hey, I always wanted to try this. I've lived in Philly my whole life. Always wanted to try it. Can I do that here? And it's always a yes. And I yeah. think, you know, in our own little corner, in our own little corner of Philadelphia, we are really sort of informing change and creating some change that we desperately need in this sport. And I'm really excited about it. You know, partnering with Diversity in Aquatics, and you know, Dr. Angela Beal is a great friend um, and forces me to do a lot of things that I don't want to do. But we are <laughs> growing, you know, exponentially, and, and it's really exciting. Let me tell the audience that the exhibit is at the Fairmount Waterworks, 640 Waterworks Drive. It starts September 3rd um, 
through August 30th, 2022. So they'll be there for quite a while. It's open Thursday through Sundays, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. And admission is free. The website is pool, P-O-O-L, and then phl.com. Again, pool, phl.com, so you can find out more information. So they have some wonderful artists working on the project. Um, Dr. Tawfiq, how did they choose the artists? Was there um, some kind of submission process? Did people go out and look for people? How were the artists chosen, do you know, for this, these different exhibits? Well, for the variety of, of exhibits, like we, it, it's really, in a sense, along the lines of the oration uh, of the history of a people. So you have the voices of artists, but you actually have um, the artists that Victoria um, Habitat in terms of the Pew Grant for which it was, the exhibit actually was sponsored, um, to actually create uh, the photos and bring to life. So you have wonderful um, stories from, uh, for example, Jim Ellis, uh, you have Malachi Cunningham, and, and, you, and even my voice uh, has been invited to be a part of the, the narration uh, that is a part of the exhibit. And, and so the opportunity to capture the historical pictures, um, to uh, align in the artists, that, the artistry that actually um, it has, uh, was a part of the, the history that was created from Jeff Wilt's book, um, which is uh, Contested Waters, a Social History of Swimming Pools, which is really the, one of the, the um, uh, very much of the igniting forces that um, was referenced to actually capture um, the history about uh, regarding how African Americans um, historically were, were not permitted. It's really in swimming pools and in swimming places. Uh, and when you actually talk about the history of pools here in Philadelphia, I mean, starting as early as 1884, right there at 12th and Wharton Street, if you can believe it, to to be able to really the research that had gone into um, just preparing for the exhibit is is really where the the artistry um, comes from. Yeah, some of the artists. Let me tell the audience: a uh, swim, baby, swim um, explores cultural identity and social justice. Homer Jackson, I know Homer Jackson. Uh, Whispers from the Deep is a commission worked by him, a storytelling canvas of 15 unique stories told across a combination of video, animation, and poetry vignettes. Also, there's a street artist, Carlo Rosa, uh, welcomes audience with ofrendo, uh, offering to Ye Manya with colorful and sensual imagery evoking the feeling of being one with the element of water. And then there's also moving portraits. It, it, portraits. it explores key moments in the history of swimming with script and narration by playwright, director, and educator James O'James, animation illustrations by Dylan Calejo and Daisy Burner in collaboration with Habitat and Dr. Jeff Wiltz and Bruce Wigo. So there's a lot of variety there, and it's going to be there again starting September 3rd through August 30th, 2022. It's at the Fairmount Waterworks, 640 Waterworks Drive. Doctor, um, I'm sorry, not Doctor, uh, Brandon, so what have been some of your um, negative experiences when you were out uh, going around the globe rowing? What, what are some things that happened to you as a black woman that were really shocking? Oh, man. <laughs> That is a very tough question. I mean, I would say from getting out, from getting ticketed 
uh, at the Royal Henley to, I mean, people just saying really inappropriate things to, I mean, actually not making a race because someone didn't think that I, someone thought I was not there to compete and call security on me to getting my bags checked, my book bag checked in a tent with, uh, that was selling sort of, you know, regatta things and like mm-hmm. really cool gear and, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it, I mean, the list is endless. You know, my mom would always say every regatta was always a raisin, a raisin in the sea of rice, you know. But I think mm. what's happening now is, you know, I'm seeing people want to, I'm, people have always talked about the recipe and always, you know, had talks with no action. And now I'm seeing people actually really want to participate. And I think change is inevitable, right? It's the thing that you can't really, it's the one thing that's constant. So how we navigate that, I think, is incredibly important. And, you know, I think all the diversity initiatives and all of the conversations that are happening, and I think for me, it just for my own sort of, I guess, peace of mind, I, I wanted to do something where I could actually inform change and create, which is why I made sure that I was in charge, my staff was black, you know what I mean? Even though black mm-hmm. only doesn't mean black mm-hmm. only, and we absolutely have, we absolutely have white people that are in our community, but, you know, it is black owned and operated and I think ownership is such an important part of liberation and you know I really am watching my assistant coaches and mentees come up and really learn to sort of navigate and they are part of our brain and they have good ideas they know sometimes they're not so great I'll be honest but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know it's great to be able to I'm excited to be able to pass this on to them you know they they really are coaching and they're understanding the equipment and they're figuring it out. And I know that, you know, I'm going to hold this seat as long as possible. And then, you know, once they take over, you know, they will advance the ball further down the court and then they'll pass it on to the black girls coming up behind them. And that's how we start to build legacy. We do it one floor at a time. And that's what we're doing, it one practice at a time, one stroke at a time, one person at a time. Dr. Bills, I think, you know, in schools, they've taken away a lot of um, a physical education. And uh, when I was growing up, there was no pools. I didn't have a pool to go to. I, I mean, I went to um, Girls High. I went to I went to oh, school in oh, South Philly. Girl I went to uh, Girls High. Are you into Girls High? Yes, I am a Girls High girl. Class. Oh, my God. <laughs> So what what I'm saying is there was no there were no pools for us to go to. Now when I was younger in the neighborhoods, I remember going to pools, um, you know, in the community centers and things like that. Um, do you know how we can get more um, physical uh, pool uh, pools in in these like schools or get some kind of programs going in the high schools so that kids of African American and people of color can get more comfortable with going to the pools. And, and learning correctly. You're, you're, How can we do that? You're correct. You're, you're absolutely right. And one of the things that we're doing right now is just starting with the awareness that this wonderful exhibit is going to have in, in the city. But uh, one of the things that um, it's important for us to know is that physical education in schools, by becoming a part and, and looking at how we can make the difference, you're absolutely right that pools in the city, which we had have still the largest number of, of city pools, we as communities have to be agents of change. And we can do that by understanding mm. the importance of 
swimming and the importance of it in the sense of a public health view. If we're looking at um, the, the use of it in terms of K-12 to physical education, one of the things that we did do this past year with diversity and aquatics is we actually collaborated with the Philadelphia Public School um, District with the, the, the Health Advisory Committee. And this year, during International Water Safety Day on May 15th, we had a read aloud to over 6,500 pre-K students. We read aloud on Zoom. And we had also a workshop with parents, um, a pre-K parents basically bringing to them the importance of water safety and why it is important, especially to the African-American community. So one of the things you definitely believe is that meeting people where they are. And in our city, as you said, access. Access is we're looking at, at the access to health care. We're looking at the access and the same determinants and barriers that are are inflicted um, across right, the U.S. now. What we have to understand is that that is the same thing that we're talking about that has been reflected in terms of the history of swimming pools and the need to create quality, a quality community life. And, and so if it starts just by bringing awareness through having a read aloud like that and starting that in the community and then going, you know, and collaborating with such great, um, uh, great opportunities like we're having with this, this exhibit and, and Victoria and the Habitat, um, this, this opportunity with a pool, a social history of segregation, getting people out. And so by bringing, like you, you're saying, your voice, thank you so much, Joy, for giving us the platform to, to show it's more than just swimmers in, in terms of, of who know and the, and the experts, like we're saying, the, the, some of the exhibit highlights, for example, is capturing the voices of Olympians like Simone Emanuel and, and like Colin Jones and Marissa. But we want to understand by saying how it's important and showing how in schools, if we don't have schools, we can teach water safety awareness. We can talk about first aid and CPR that's, and how you know, to that's be safe. So important. Um, the, the water yes. safety issue because, you know, when flooding happens, we hear a lot of times people are swept away um, or kids might be playing, you know, near a lake or a river and not thinking want to run out and go get the ball, just like running in the street, they'll go run in the water and then they're not realizing how deep the water is. Um, you know, a cool thing I was reading about was one of the, it's a book dealing with rowing, a most beautiful thing, the true story of America's first all-black high school yes. rowing team. Are you yes. familiar with that, Brandon? Yes, I'm very yes. good friends with R.J. Cooper. He was just here on Saturday coaching, and, uh, yeah, he's a very, very good friend. And we have been partnering with a most beautiful thing for a year now. They are – he's amazing, and his mission is – so on par with ours, and he is absolutely one of the driving forces uh, behind BLJ Community Rowing. Yeah, it says that he has a forthcoming book. It's going to be turned into a documentary and, and narrated by Common. Do you know how they started their uh, high school rowing team? Did the, did, can you tell us a little bit about how he might have started that? I mean, honestly, they, they did this. It was grassroots. You know, they took a boat into the school, and they got some interest. And, you know, Arche, it was really a, a, an, escape, an escape for him. And I think that's why mm -hmm. he's so passionate about youth, 
because I think, you know, rowing is a vehicle, can absolutely be a vehicle to a better life. I know it was a vehicle to a better life for him. It was one for me. You know, I was the first in my family to graduate from college, and, you know, our business, my business is growing, and I think that, you know, if you have options, you can make better choices, right? And I think that we need, rowing is absolutely an option. It should be. Everyone should be able to make that choice, and I think if we provide these youth with options, then they're going to absolutely make better choices and, you know, really use rowing as a vehicle to change their lives, and I think that, I think he's right on point. You know, I'm super passionate about it as well because, you know, I'm, the school road comes right through West Philadelphia. You know, everyone from the mm-hmm. suburbs is coming to partake of this hidden, of this gem, and it's like, it's right, it's right in our backyard, right? We can walk here. Like, let's, Let's make sure we're taking advantage of our own backyard. And it's free. So let's it's absolutely. Free. The, the and it's is free. free. Um, I want to, let, me, let me get, there's, right. a, there's a caller here. Let me see if they have a question. Good morning. You're calling last number 4953, the last four digits. Did you have a question? They built a brand new high school in St. Louis, Vashon High School. And it had swimming pool and everything. The kids don't even go. In high school. What's your name, sir? What's your name, sir? My name is Mr. P. Mr. P, thank you for calling in. So you're saying there's a pool in this high school and the kids don't go. Do they have a teacher? Do Brand new high courses? school, state of the art, mm-hmm. in St. Mm-hmm. Louis Public School District. It ain't the only one. They have one in O'Fallon. It's a black school. Just so happens the majority of the students there are black. And the children don't, uh, don't go to swimming class. So maybe they just do, don't want to. And they're more interested in football and basketball. Uh, thank you so much for, for calling in, sir, Mr. P. Um, Dr. Tawfiq, do, do you hear this issue before of kids not wanting to go to a pool? And why do they not want to go? And, well, you know, Joy, what, what, one of the things that I like to say is, is understand that if you, it, it's the idea, if you, if you show them, they will come. And that's what we're talking about. There is a history that has been associated with in, in terms of the perception of aquatics and of learning to swim in the community. And, and it's a historical one. And that well, is actually you know, what How do we deal with women, though? Dr. Talfik, you know, one oh. of the issues, uh, women and our hair. You know, girls, you're in high school. You don't want to get in a pool and get your hair all messed up. And then, you know, Jason, he's going to be walking by and, and, and all your little cute curls is going to be messed up. I can't do that, oh. Dr. Torfey. How are we going to get these young I, women to to shed this this um, ego, you know, issue? Well, why I, also, I that, would actually, I actually have a point on that too, Dr. A. Okay, um, Brandon. I'm also seeing, I've also been seeing a really interesting trend where natural is actually making a huge comeback, and I'm seeing a lot of young girls really work to work to wear their natural hair. And, I mean, I think that that is in line with water sports and getting, you know, your hair wet. Like, all of my staff yeah. are all natural. Like, so I'm seeing a lot more natural hair salons pop up. There's a great one in Manyong, um that my my cousin runs. And I think, like, I'm seeing – I have personally, since I started, and I am quite old, but in my trajectory and just growth, I've seen a lot of black women start to turn to fitness and natural hair. And now, Joyce, they had in the Olympics what? recently, they had in the Olympics yes. an issue with the caps, 
Yes. Are you guys with familiar with that, Dr. Toffee? Yeah. Yes, yes, we so are. Can you tell the audience yes, about that? So what that that um, what we saw in our at our international level was um, the the soul we actually and just to know also we just had the first African American but she was from Britain win the open swim but it, it the discussion was around um, a, a cap that was actually made and has not just been made and being used but that was created to actually uh, be more comfortable. Um, for for longer hair, such as and it's created by Soul Cap um, around that enables women with braids or hair, as you're saying, or or locks to be able to actually be comfortably worn. Um, those the caps uh, by the International FINA, the International um, Athletic Association, Association, did ban them. Diversity and equality. Why did they ban them? The, Why did they ban them? Do you- Yes. Well, the perception that uh, came with uh, that notion was that they were banned because they provided an extra flotation capability. So that was the mm-hmm. rationale, a part of the rationale. Now, one oh of my the things goodness. that we can say is the goal of swimming is to not create resistance. So that in itself, by by having that, being able to, for example, as we talked about in diversity and aquatics, coded language. We talked about how language, whether uh, although they might not have thought it had longer repercussions, there are barriers that are naturally created when you use coded language and coded policies to also prohibit participation. That notion, as we said before, it went back to the table. FINA it was looking at their judgment, and I believe that that is still, was still ongoing, but we in, in no way do we do know does does the fact that something is bigger help you actually go forward in terms of competitive swimming? And and the implications on a larger sense was that we're saying we want everyone to understand we are not just talking about Olympic swimmers. We're talking about access. And if a, a swimming cap allows, as we're saying, to, to, to create the opportunity mm-hmm. for access, then that is what, because it's not when we're talking about drowning, and the impact on African-American populations, when you're looking at it at a global scale, drowning disproportionately impacts uh, people of color globally. So if you're talking about it, when you're talking about it, whether you're talking about immigrants. You need mm -hmm. this cap. We need this cap, um, and I think we need this exhibit. I want to let the audience know again. Right. I have the the cap myself. (laughs) Okay. The Fairmount Waterworks, 640 Waterworks Drive. It starts September 3rd, goes through August 30th, 2022. It's Thursday through Sundays, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Admission is free, and and their website is poolphl.com. Again, it's a pool phl.com it's pool a social history of segregation it's a 4700 square foot museum exhibition that explores the role of public pools in our communities with the goal of deepening understanding of the connection between water social justice and public health ladies thank you so much for coming on the show this morning and i wish you guys so much success with your rowing company um, with your research and with this exhibit thank you thank you so much Joy, thank you so thank much you. for having all the work you do. Thank you. You guys have a great weekend, okay? You also. You thank too. you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay.
thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, please check out this new exhibit. Um, talk to your friends, talk to your family. Talk about this issue of going to the pool. Do you know how to swim? What were some of your barriers? How can we open barriers um, to break them down for younger people to get into the pool? You know there are black surfers? There are black surfers in the world. There are, there's a black surfer organization. Uh, there are black people now, as you can see, in the Olympics. And as Dr. Tawfiq talked about, coded language being used to create a barrier just because she wanted to use a more comfortable swimming cap. So this is going on in 2021. We are having coded language and stopping people of color to get into the pool. Please check out the exhibit. Also, check me out on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Thank you so much. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Every year, millions of Americans are exposed to a contagious virus. What is this virus? It's stigma. Stigma promotes an environment of shame, fear, and silence, which prevents millions of people from seeking help. But there's good news. The National Alliance on Mental Illness believes stigma towards mental illness is 100% curable. So do yourself and everyone a favor. Go to curestigma.org and get tested for stigma.